Welcome to episode 722 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 772 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I'm good. Fingers a little tingly today. Today's weather report is, it's nice and clear and sunny out there now. No, no, no weather bomb. We survived the weather bomb. We did survive the weather bomb. Now, just one thing. John, John sent me a text saying, can we start at 7.30? I thought we were doing a double show. I was trying to fit in with your schedule. So, and he said, Felicity's got another, you know, you've got, look, you've got to back your brother up. The kid's going to a running race. It's important. So, 7.30 comes along. I get a text about 7.35, I'm leaving home now. Yeah. It gets here at 8. Oh, no, it's 8.01 it's now. We started. You got here about 7.55. Yeah, I did. I was a, impressed a, with the service. The garage doors aren't going to straight Well, out. I had plenty of time. Because <laughs> <laughs> I normally have a nice warm shower. It's cold. A nice warm shower. And then when he comes in, he goes, Thomas's fault. <laughs> I blames the kids straight away. <laughs> a little story that I'll tell you about that at the end of the show. So blame it on the kids. That's the only reason we have kids. Iron Talk is proudly brought to you by our fantastic patrons. We've got Richard, the Prince of Darkness, Osborne. Nadine, Flower Power Voice. And then we've got uh, Sean, uh, the Big Dipper Bonsell. In this week's show, we've got some news. We've got Hot Topic of the Week. We've got Pro of the Week. We may have an interview. Either that or John's history. We're not going to name the May interview. No, no. It will be a mystery if it's there. It's there. And if not, you get John's history lesson about. Iron Man in 1990. Oh, I was loving it. 1995. If we don't do it this week, it's coming up. Got one on 95 and one on 96. They were classic races. Okay. Okay. 89 was the first year he won, wasn't it? 89 was the first year Mark Allen won. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And then it kind of he dominated for a while after that. Okay. Uh, maybe I think I've got one question at the end, maybe. Uh, Iron Man Tosal. Tosa uh, happened in North America Champions. And I'll tell you what, pretty good racing. And. So the name, well, let's talk about the men's race first. I know the feed moments comes up on when we go to stats, but no one backs him, but he delivers. Patrick Langer. What about that run? So I'm going to comment on the run straight away because I was, was, watching, this, I was watching this coverage and uh, the, the conditions on the day, it was quite damp on the bike. There was, there was a few crashes on the bike, actually. Oh, uh, wow. they, they managed to capture uh, Anthony Costas falling off. Like, he went down pretty hard on a corner. It was just a... You know, 90 degree left hand corner and just, just took it a slipped. bit fast. It wasn't a bike handling really skilly pro, just came in a bit quick and just went, whoosh, wheels came out. I know Joe Skipper commented that he crashed. And oh, did I think he crash it? Was, it? Uh, yeah, and, and there was a couple others. There was quite a few corners. It was wet. The roads just looked like they were just a bit greasy. Okay. So, and it didn't look like it was too hot. Uh, so, a couple of other things I'm going to comment on the course. Uh, the swim looked quite brown. <laughs> yeah, you see, I, you, I thought I read that wrong when I was reading the show notes. I was like, "Look, brown." So what? Just was it in a lake or something? Was it? I'm not sure if it was a lake or a river. It just I just looked at the coverage and thought that looks a bit brown. Okay. Uh, it was a one loop bike course, which was kind of cool. Um, that much nowadays, do we? No, and it looked like a nice course. Uh, you know, through lots of wooded areas, and there was some sort of straight, but it was fast, very fast on the bike, and then the run. Uh, quite straight roads it was running alongside a river and so you didn't really have many turnarounds um, and you didn't have any like left right hand turns so you could just get into a groove and just settle into a pace and so did you think it was short initially i was looking at the splits coming in because this is fast this is short like patrick langer ran a 236 i'm going and he wasn't even first that's fast but 
he's capable of that yep. because he's run 239 in Kona. But then they all started coming in. Second was 239, uh, Jan van Berkel. Daniel Beckengard blew up a bit quite badly and he ran 244. Dennis Chevro ran 236. Oh, two. So, so he was 40 seconds faster than uh, Patrick Lang. Like all of the top 10, um, or almost all of them are in the 240s. You got three under 240, a couple at 250 um, flat. And just all the run times are just insanely quick. I'm like, this has got to be short. And then I started seeing the female times coming in, going, yeah, that's that short. Um, I, th- Kat- I, I thought I was scoring the females, and I thought 236. I was like, back it up, but it was the men's. So Kat-, Kat Matthews ran a 249.48, a fifth fastest time in history of Ironman running. Wow. And Sky Monch uh, ran 256. Heather Jackson, 259. Uh, Guritz, Fraz, Lauralde, uh, 252. I'm thinking, this is short. But then I went and looked at the age group times, yep. and think, and then I looked at them, and the guys uh, didn't look like there were any sub threes. I was going, oh, maybe it's not short. Uh, so then I sort of did a bit of stalking on Strava to try to find um, some of the profiles. Turns out it was not short. Really? So just a smoking fast Maybe day. 100 metres short. Oh, yeah, it depends on. on where you start your watch. So And also depends on cornerings. The 100 metres... That's, yeah, that's that's your room for error, isn't it? And so I looked at Jan van Berkel, finished in second place, forty-two point zero eight kilometres. I looked at another one that was forty-two point one something. Also looked at the bike splits, and that looked accurate as well. So the difference here, what it's showing, is when you have conditions that are a bit cooler, and uh, it's a bit damper, you haven't got that many turns. This is what pros are capable of. Most Ironman races. Are in peak summertime, you're in Kona or you're in Germany, it's like 30 degrees. Mm. I looked at the weather, I think it was about 22 degrees. Drizzle, no turns, it's like perfect conditions. Eight sub eights. Oh, insane. In the men's race. So, a thoroughly impressive race. So, what about, was it good racing to watch? Uh, it was it was reasonable. There was a lot of change in the men's race from second downwards. So Patrick Langer came off the bike in a in the lead group, and that was the other thing. There was two distinct groups, and so maybe there was some easier riding in there, which again helped for the the fast run splits. But Patrick Langer made a bit of a statement in terms of being at the front of the race uh, off the bike, and then it was uh, yeah. He's, real, he's the most forward. underrated man in our sport, mm. Kona. Uh, not getting any. <laughs> <laughs> but no, this was a little bit of a crowy type performance. Um, we've talked about that race before when he came back from Kona. Great swim. Um, Strong Was bike. at the front of the bike and then just ran away from everybody. So Patrick, what happened? Why was Dennis so terrible on the bike? Denny Chevro? Uh, yeah. I don't know. Because he was like 10 minutes behind the main pack. He could have potentially got a, penalty. firstly a penalty. There was a number of penalties that were handed Must out. Uh, or he could have crashed, um, not quite sure why. Because, you know, he's a, he's a decent athlete. You know, to be 10 minutes behind is quite so, significant. So Denis Chevro ran 236.02 for fourth place. Second place was Jan van Berkel, ran 239. Uh, Daniel Backengard, who was one of the, you know, we interviewed him a few weeks ago, and he's certainly been on fire on the 70.3 circuit. He battled for third place, and he was KO'd at the finish. Oh, really? He said he was just smoked all the way on the run. Uh, lost, a, not sure if he had a crash, but he lost his nutrition. Uh, so good on him for hanging tough. Denny Chevro fourth, and Bart Arnott's ran himself up to fifth place with Joe Skipper in sixth. Those Bart Arnott's, Joe Skipper, um, Jan Van Berkel, and one or two others were off the bike uh, about five minutes down on the, the front group and so they ran reasonably well. Joe Skipper faded a little bit at the end but still managed sixth place. So 
Quality racing, Sam Long, who's a big pre-race favourite, um, after his 70.3, he only managed uh, 13th place, so probably still coming down from a bit of a high from that race, but quality field when you got guys like Chris Lieferman finishing in 12th place, um, Tyler Butterfield down 21st, I love this name, Trip Hipple. That is a great name. Um, so good racing on the guys. Got I'm loving the stat, the, the Pro Triathletes website. They almost had live bloody results up there. It was up very, very quickly. Well, and okay, so a couple of questions. Langer. So he's at 34 currently. Mm-hmm. So he's probably going to have a good four years in front of him based mm-hmm. on how aging athletes. Um, if he wins this year, like if we think of like the, the pantheon of Ironman champions, not who's won three? Reed. Jan, Crowy or not? Crowy won three. three. Yeah, yep. Crowy won three. Got Dave Scott and Mark Allen, and so he goes and he goes up that you know like two, the, only a few have won two, mm. and I know everyone overrates him, but and the reason because even the performances when he didn't win, he got a second, didn't he? Before he won it, uh, was it the second or third, and he set yeah. a course record. I think it was third. Yeah. Um, but he hasn't done anything else outside of Kona, really. Well, he's finished. I think he finished second this. or third to won this. Yeah, uh, and, he, and, and to be fair, yeah, I think he went on in Texas one year. Yeah, uh, so I'll he hasn't done great, great in Germany. I'll just back that up a little yeah. bit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's he's he, he's just not a character, and he's just not a dominator. You know, he's going to run normally. This is a but he is a, he is a dominator on the run and on the run. But whereas you have the other other guys are dominating from the from the get go and they're always up the front. So yes, I totally agree. He's the most underrated athlete, and he did look fantastic running. And he um, at a point he they were saying in the commentary he lost his mother last year as well, so oh, he was pretty okay. emotional. Uh, so he looks pretty fired up. So definitely a contender. Um, it's just a, it's just her, I just find it so interesting how easily we dismiss him. Mm. You know, or you. <laughs> in particular. <laughs> you in particular. Uh, female race. So we had a uh, pretty obvious winner here, but was it good racing? Uh, race for second was really good between Cat Matthews and Sky Monch because Cat Matthews got a penalty on the bike. Oh. So she had to, they came off the bike. How long was penalty? Five minutes, I think. So, so what is she being a contender? Well, it's funny you should Daniel say that. ran pretty slow. She was five minutes and one second yeah, behind Daniela I mean. Reef, yeah. and she got a five-minute penalty. But but Daniela only ran a three or five. Daniela Reef was suffering like a dog. Oh really? <laughs> she finished, and uh, all the other athletes, you know, they did interviews within a few minutes. Didn't interview Daniela Reef for like half an hour. Oh really? Uh, so she was pretty KO'd. Sounded like she biked very hard. Uh, still ran a three oh four on an accurate course. Well, she biked about twi- about. 15, 16 minutes in front of everyone else. Mm. So she, she put all later on the bike. And she's, she's first out of the, I don't know if she was first out of the swim, but she's very close to first out of the swim, if not first out of the swim. Just scanning down there. There was a couple, Pamela Oliveira was in front of her. So she was second out of the swim uh, and then just dominated the bike and uh, and then did what she needed to on the run. Still won by five minutes. And But Kat Matthews, impressive with a 249.48. And... Yeah, she ran herself into second. Sky Monch uh, held on really well for a 2.56, finished third. So she's sort of leading the charge for Team America in terms of, you know, Collins Cup qualifying. And, yeah, there's just a bit of, generally just a bit of a changing the guard in some of these races, both short course and long course. So good on her. So Kit Matthews, so she had a pretty good year last year. She won Ironman. Well, maybe we'll talk about that later. Okay. Maybe we will. <laughs> Maybe we will. Uh, so yeah, it, it was really close, good racing on the female side. Heather Jackson ran a sub three hour marathon to get herself up to fourth place. Sarah Crowley pretty disappointing down there in sixth place. 
Meredith Kessler still hanging in there in tenth. Um, so yeah, it was uh, it was a good race for second. So overall, as a championship race, your thoughts? Uh, it was it was solid. Yeah, really quality, high quality field, um, fast times. Um, I thought the coverage was a little bit better. I, I didn't watch it all, but I had it sort of going in the background from probably. Mm, Midway, late, late in the bike, uh, and I thought the coverage was a bit better than than usual. So all in all, pretty solid. Yeah, that I was only scanning, but it looked like they had better split screen with some interviews inserted. Yeah, so often we complain, going, "Oh, why aren't they showing this? Why aren't they showing this?" And then what well, they were they were doing a much better job of split screen, and they had a few pre pre race interviews, had a few people out on the course. Uh, so yeah, I, on of the bits that I saw. Granted, didn't watch it all. It just seemed a little bit better, and say a step up from what was done a few weeks ago at the seventy point three champs. And I guess they're a bit limited by. I'm sure it's not their camera crews; like they'll just be picking up a local camera crew. Yeah. But these guys seem to be showing better shots, um, both on the bike and the run, in terms of being able to see the the groups and just not just having a camera fixated on one person. Okay, good stuff. Uh, other news kind of slots have been added to events like uh, CDA has now 150 slots. That's massive nowadays, isn't it? Well, it's an odd one. So I've got a guy who's racing there and he sent me an email and said, oh, they, they, initially it dropped down to the, the minimum level. I think it was 40. Yep. And then maybe it went up to, oh, it was 75, then went up to 40 or whatever. But all of a sudden, 150 slots. Uh, so this is Ironman Coeur d'Alene. Well, so we're getting pretty close now. What is it? We're coming to June. Mm. And the reason for that is because there's going to be a huge number of athletes around the world who won't be travelling to, to Kona later in the year. There won't be, well, there'll be next to no Kiwis. I only know one person that's going. They, they were really struggling to give away slots at Ironman New Zealand. Couldn't that, that person get there? You can, but it's difficult. Um, and it's going to be expensive this year because I was just looking into pricing for my camp for next year in the hope that we're going to be able to travel by next May and June, which yep. is a bit iffy for us Kiwis. Yeah. Uh, and prices are really expensive. Um, Even just to travel. Yeah, because it's so busy in Kona, uh, and they're, they're just ramping up the, the rates for the accommodation. So oh. uh, for us Kiwis to get there is an expensive and slightly difficult exercise. So this person's going to quarantine when they come home? Yeah, yeah. So for Kiwis, you know, coming out of the middle of winter, you're going to have to go up there, and if you don't go for two weeks, you're kind of almost wasting your time. Yeah. So you've got to get there for two weeks. You want a bit of downtime afterwards, you know, to have, so they have a week holiday, and then you've got to come back and sit in a quarantine. And as I found out this week for two and weeks... And you're going to have to pay for it. Yep. So, so, so I think it's about 3000 isn't it? Well, I don't think you really pay for it, would you? Yeah, that's should you. If you're, out of, if, you're only, if you're only going for a holiday, you pay for your quarantine. Oh, I, I'll get, lose track of... Yeah, what, no, should, no so, like, so basically you can... Like if you come back to the country and you're not here for less than under three months, you've got to pay for your quarantine. Mm. But if you leave the country and it's just for like a holiday or something like that, you pay for your quarantine on the way back. And you'd have to book it. Mm. You'd have to have it booked before you go. So it's our, a massive As hit. I found out this week, our quarantine's slightly different to other places in the world. Why is that? So uh, somebody went to Canada and in Canada... His dad picked him up from the airport, took him to a quarantine hotel. He only stayed there one, needed to stay there one night, return a negative test, and and then he had to self quarantine. And there wasn't anybody sort of checking on him or anything like oh, that. Oh wow! In New Zealand, it's you get off the plane, and it sounds you like get in it, a bus. It is military uh, escort to the hotel, and you ain't leaving that hotel. And you know, you don't, you, you, you pretty much stay in your room. You get like an hour to exercise a day. Yeah, it's jail, it, which is supervised exercise. So yeah. it is basically going to jail. Uh, so anyway, we digress. Uh, so kind of slots, 150 going to Court Lane. Do you think? Good do, you luck. Th- do you think we will actually have a, a race where it's not all sold out? Like, sure, lots of Americans are going to jump on board, but I wonder if they'll actually have a, a, a year, which never happens, where we may not have a full entry. 
No, there's so many races this year, uh, mid to late season races. I'm sure they'll they'll find a way to fill that up, and and then they'll start bumping people up from the from the Tell lottery, what, not yep. the lottery. The what is it nowadays? It's uh, the twelve. Sorry, oh, I see. Oh, he turns up late. My parents. He leaves his hell. phones don't on. Don't they know? Don't they know? And then they'll leave a message. I say, don't ever leave a message on my phone because I'm not going to be checking it. Why don't you check it? Oh, I just. Don't bother. I'll call you back. <laughs> <laughs> I'd Don't leave a message on my phone, David. Um, so what am I going to say? Kona, Kona, Kona. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's, it's if you've kind of down that list of the legacy, or if you're in America, jump on board. You know, mm. this is probably going to be easiest year to ever get to Kona. Mm. You know, so, yep. uh, Collins Cup. One thing we've been noticing lately is that they are getting gear sponsors. But, um, and how this is going to work with the different clashes? But you're saying with the athletes, you mean? Yeah, I couldn't figure it out. So Zoot are now the sponsor of Team USA. Uh, Hoob are the sponsor for Europe. I'm not sure if they've got one for the international. So they're going to be decking the, the the whole team out in their kit. But I was like, well, what if you sponsored by someone else? So I'm not. Uh, it was just an observation. Like True. You know, Super League have the same gear, but everyone's got their own little brand title on mm, it. But I don't know if they've got a sponsor attached to that. Yeah, true. They've got the same gear. So I, I totally get it. They're all going to be in the same Look. outfit, but whether or not they'll have Zoot all over that, and if you're sponsored by Blue 70 or whatever it is. Well, I got my Reebok contract today because I get, mm. I get like, not a huge amount, but I get a Reebok sponsorship. Um, and they're very clear about what you're not allowed to wear, or at least mm. not allowed to be in public media, you know, social media and stuff about. So, mm. you know, and, and I'm not I'm not getting what you So you probably getting. should be taking that Nike top off you got no, right now. Reebok. <laughs> Reebok top. That's actually, I love this top. Reebok all the way. Hashtag Reebok. Um, <laughs> no, my thing is with Reebok, because I'm sponsored by them, but they kind of want you to do lots of social media posting. And I'm hopeless. I don't give a crap about that stuff. Yeah. So any photo I put up, I put hashtag Reebok. Yeah. And people have cotton onto it. So I, people love it. You know, I'll have a photo of me playing my piano. Hashtag yeah. Reebok. <laughs> so there you go. Um, final week of Ironman VR is happening this week. Uh, so it's uh, putting a close to it. It's been... It's a, it was a good gap filler, wasn't it? Definitely was. So I'd say hats off to them for keeping athletes going through difficult times. And we've got to recognise, Bevan and I are probably a bit clueless sometimes when... It's accepting that in a lot of parts of the world, it's still completely screwed. So we're talking like the pandemic's past. We know yeah. for a lot of places it is far from that. But for for the you know for, for everybody, they've done a good job in keeping athletes going. It was free, which was great. You know, I was, I was thinking, oh, they're going to start charging for this, and, yeah. and there was charge chargeable items. You know, if you want to get a medal and things like that, but they weren't. It's not like they were making a mint out of it. Yep. Uh, definitely think it's got future potential. Uh, I did notice, and I didn't really look into this in detail. They had a team challenge last weekend, which I like the look. Of. We had listener Mel uh, Bigfoot Uri. Uh, she was part of Team Australia and they were racing against Team Philippines and Team Japan and they were doing a half Ironman. And I think you took your fastest person's swim and your fastest person team member's bike and run and combined it. So little innovative things like that I think might uh, work further down the track. And athletes have qualified for world championship events. So they had 70.3 qualifying and a lot of people going, oh, it's not fair, it's not fair. But I know, and we had an e- I had an email from a listener this week saying, I worked my ass off and, and went into that qualifying race and peaked for it yeah. and qualified. And, and so, so they took it like, like you would a normal race? Yeah, so there was, there was no other opportunity well, to qualify. Well, and also this year, Come on, if you if you if you're complaining about that, I get it. It's a bit, it's not normal. But this year wasn't a normal year, mm. you know. Like build a bridge. Well, last year was not a normal year. This year is not a normal year either. Yeah, last 12, 12 months or so. Yeah. Uh, coming up, we've got a race, a PTO supported race, the forty oh six in.
Girona, which is one of the hotbeds of triathlon, triathlon of yeah. cycling as well. Uh, Jan Fredino lives there. A lot of cyclists live there. Joe Skipper's seed number one. Can't see him racing. He's got a little asterisk next to his name. Looking forward to seeing the return of Cam Worth. We haven't seen him since uh, mm. lockdown sort of happened. And he's seeded next uh, behind. He's a beast cyclist, isn't he? He is a beast cyclist. And he still sort of <clears throat> rides a bit for Team Ineos. Um, Yaroslav Kovacic is uh, seeded three. Nico Lanos and Tim Van Hooten Nicolanos Still going Jeepers He must be 40 plus himself, I reckon Oh easily So you've got a field On the men's side Of probably around about 50 odd um, On the female side You've got uh, Judith Cochran Vakira Who's kind of qualified um, Emma Billan uh, Tessa Cortez And Catherine Wolf. Um, and we've only got about 10 On the female side You never discount a new pro, Chantal Cummings from Great Britain, unrated, first pro race by the look of it. Team GBR are just crushing it in female long-distance racing, so I'm sure she'll be pretty good too. Uh, two iron-distance races happening in Spain as well. We have, so there's another one called the uh, Parende Extreme Triathlon, which looks pretty extreme. You swim 3.8 k's in a reservoir, then you bike, and the bike elevation is 4,400 meters which is a lot you got one two three four four main climbs plus a few others so big day of climbing and then you got a 40k trail run with over 2,000 meters of elevation gain looks fantastic if that's your cup of tea so question i have so we had a john's itu update so we had a world cup race on now normally world cup second tier but because we're close to the olympics did they get a really strong field not uh not really no um so that they had i thought uh, they i thought it might have been the case i thought you know, we are only, what, about 10 weeks out? So I was thinking, you know, you want to jump on those opportunities. Yeah, well, you had a, you had a, a race the weekend before. True, yeah. uh, so that was part of the reason. So, And the other thing was they had a mixed team relay they'll talk about in the moment, the day before. So on the female side, Nicola Spurig, um took it out. She just beat home Carolyn uh, Hayes from Ireland. Haven't heard that name before. And she uh, she's qualified herself for the Olympics um, by finished second there. And Kirsten Casper was in third place. There's a few names that aren't firing, and I'm just wondering if they're just trying to get ready for the Olympics and they're not in sort of peak condition, whether they're only racing at 90%. I kind of think this close out, you kind of want to be yeah. pretty pretty good form. I know it's still sort of, what is it, eight weeks, nine weeks? I know, you you must be about there. Something like that. Vicky Holland was only uh, in fifth place, and Rachel Klammer was only in eighth. Summer Rappaport, though, she raced, she won the weekend before, and she was only down in ninth place. So, and we've got the same on the men's side of things. There's a few people that you're going, you're not firing quite on 100% here. Maybe they'll get their timing right. So, in the men's side, like Mario Mola, first time I've seen him race in a long, long time, uh, he was only in 10th place. Martin Van Riel was only in ninth. Missing uh, World Cup. Sorry, this is a World Cup. Was, that's a slightly better men's field than the females. You had Christian Blumenfeld took it out with a good surge at the finish. So that's two weeks in a row winning for him. Plus he said he's racing next weekend and the weekend after that. So hopefully he's not going out too strong and we are uh, cooked by the Olympics, which is it going to happen? Don't know. Uh, and he beat out Max Studer and Jenny Grau. Now, did you watch the mixed relay? I did not. Oh. But uh, I know the results. Belgium took it out in front of Italy and Switzerland. This was important because this was Olympic qualifying and Norway, who wanted to get their team. So that Norway's got about four or five really good guys. They've only really got one decent female. Oh. Uh, and so they, they struggled there a little bit and only finished in fourth place. So I don't think they qualify. Suck? It 
suck being that female who's not good. Word. Oh, huge that, pressure. Huge pressure. Yeah. And you just feel it when you now, John. Random, random thought. Mm-hmm. I just you, you got your, your icebreaker socks on. Yeah. I noticed underneath they're getting a bit thin. Are they? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Right. Do you okay. know if you go with holy socks, they replace them for free? I have been told that because I've got a hole in my other ones. Yeah. But you've got to have proof of purchase. Ah. Can you do? You go back to your old receipts. Well, yeah. I don't have the old receipt. Ah. You go, well, you're not going to get free socks then. No. <laughs> that sucks. No. Surely the fact you've got the socks shows you purchased them. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know like, here's my proof. Here's yeah. the socks. So Icebreaker and Merino socks are quite nice. They have this thing that if you get holes in your socks, no matter how long you have them for, they give you free socks. Mm. And they're about 40 bucks for a pair of socks. But yeah. Have you, do you know anybody that's tested that? I don't yeah. know. No, I think I do. Yeah. But Porno, maybe Porno did it. Yeah, I can't remember. But I think someone I know has done it. Okay, this week's discussion. Would you like to do an ultra try, ultra run? And if so, why? Now, before we get started, a good old Sean Duggett Dooley actually sent through an email. He said, not on social media of any kind, but I did do an ultra a few months ago. The distance was 52.4 miles, which works out to be about 70-ish yeah. kilometers. Uh, but when you start in the dark and you make a few wrong turns, well, it becomes a bit more than that. Oh. The appeal to me was the challenging it's myself to see if my body could last that long. Short version, ran a ton before taper. I averaged about 90 miles a week for about six weeks. I did the build-up in mileage. Uh, completed uh, completely and utterly underprepared for the terrain. Figured on a bad day I would finish about eight and a half hours. Came in 12, 12.4 Hours. Legs were trashed by 20 mile, mile 20. Terrain destroyed them. Without my wife, I would have dropped out, dehydrated. She found me on the trail and gave me a ton of water and Gatorade. I made the cutoff time by 12 minutes. Oh, Jeepers creepers. Considering to do one next year, simply because of the challenge. Ben Alchin says uh, he did Ultra Trail Australia on the weekend. So it was a bit too soon to make any comments on uh, what he thought of it, but nice work, Ben. Okay, I'm going from the top, aren't I? Um, Ned Phillips has got, yes, I did the Kona and a 200k race. 200k race. Ironman feels a little like it's for performance athletes and a serious real sports. Ultra feels like it's a lifestyle, more like surfing, skating, climbing. The recent take of my UTB MB by Ironman scares the most out of the people in the ultra world so that's interesting so people in the ultra world aren't necessarily happy about Ironman coming on board I can I can definitely see that and I think that's a really good comment that Ironman is a bit, bit more about performance and racing and ultra not that I've ever done one is more about bit of a lifestyle lifestyle and completing but like um, kind of the difference between Ironman and kind of endurance sport isn't it mm. yeah David Patsa says I've done both and I would compare an Ironman to an easy 50 miler doing three sports in a triathlon allows you to change up the muscles yeah. being used which makes it much easier throughout the race the mental and overall fatigue are pretty similar for both types of racing running 100k or 100 miler certainly makes Ironman feel like a short race uh, Peter Mills said absolutely I did a 130k Swiss Iron Trail race at the conclusion of my 2016 busy race season, the course had 6,870 metres of climbing and the views were spectacular. It's been around 32 hours with no sleep and with an undertrained mate of mine. Great participation experience and would happily do an ultra like that again. The race was well organised and the starts and finishes were in Davos. I got a, a three or four real quick ones here. Bex Kuma will let you know uh, that's whether she wants to do an ultra. Stuart McLaughlin, yes, I'm looking at Ultraman. Yana Putkama, uh, not at all. I get bored too quickly. And Peter Colson says I'd rather chop off my little finger than run a hundred k ultra. Fair enough. We'll, we'll, we'll do it then. 
<laughs> yeah, don't, come on. <laughs> Rob Grummet's got, I really enjoyed uh, I really enjoyed all of them. I probably hit more of a performance focus when doing Ironman, but really enjoyed the social training and the amazing places that ultra running takes you. I love being in the mountains, and they're much more part of the ultra running scene. Special shout out to Ultraman, which is a bloody awesome event. Having your own crew really makes it for me. Mark Castrovinci said he did a 117-mile ultra Bloody hell, that's a long way. Yeah. In the Idaho mountains. I'd take a full Ironman any day over that. You think Ironman gets dark? Wait till you're 30 hours in. Uh, Jill Robinson's got, I've done both. Very different in general. I think a 100 miler is tougher than an Ironman. You're facing twice as long, often over a much tougher terrain with less or no course support. Both feel amazing for the accomplishment. Last one I'll do, uh, Carol Cooper uh, from up Nelson Way. I did a 100k ultra 18 months after Kona, and which she'd raced in 2015, which is her last Ironman. To be honest, it was much harder on the body than Ironman. It was a different sort of challenge, more about personal achievement. With regards to training, I did a lot of double run days and a few five to six hour runs, but nothing more. The grinder, Christine McKinley, has got, yes, mostly uh, they're on trails and beautiful location. Ironman gives you a great base in terms of endurance, nutrition, strength plus, how running on very fatigued legs feels. Thus, uh, the last half of a race feels similar to an Ironman run. The simplicity of just running, plus not worrying about bike mechanics impeding you, uh, your race makes it seem like you're within a lot more of your own control. So, Very good. You, John, do you, do you desire that? I don't desire to race an ultra or anything like that. What's I your longest you've ever done? <laughs> Mine's a marathon. Yeah, marathon. I probably run a little bit longer than that. I'd say my longest run is probably four hours. Uh, I don't have a um, strong uh, desire to run longer than that. Uh, I, I do like the idea of going on four or five hour maybe mission. adventure run, yeah. going this is a mission. But racing it doesn't really appeal. Trail racing doesn't really appeal to me that much. Just it's, I'd rather just go out and run that distance. My only concern would be your body. Oh, yeah. Long term, you know, mm. if you're going to get right into it for a long period of time. You know, the nice thing about triathlon is you're mixing things up. Mm. And, and triathlon is pretty hard on the body anyway. But, you know, like as much as I've had issues in the last kind of six months, um, you, one thing I've always liked about my training is there's kind of been a mix of movements. Mm. And I think if you get into that ultra zone where you're just running all the time, it's got to be tough on the body. Yeah, you'd get into a groove once you get yeah, into Yeah, of course. It, but you'd have to get that base fitness in place. Mm. But, yeah. And but it's probably... Easier on your body than, say, marathon training when you're doing a lot less on the road. Um, but, yeah, the appeal of running 100 to 200 k's doesn't hold a great deal of appeal for me. But that's me. No, no, yeah, totally. Would I do it? Oh, man, like a comrades. Mm. To have an experience, mm. you know, I totally get that. Um, I can't see it in the next moment in my life because mm. I can't run. But, <laughs> but at some stage, maybe, yeah, definitely. As, 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 an, like, as you say, have an adventure. Mm. And, and something like that which is kind of iconic would be kind of cool as well okay this week's discussion is what training related habits have you fallen into during COVID that you may need to shake once you come out of whatever restrictions you are currently facing pretty simple pretty simple okay John let's go pro Ooh, of the week, week. Now, what we're looking at is the top 50 in the men's and females for the ranking because when's the cutoff? Oh no, this is 50th. I was just going 50th. Oh, I, just, okay. I just picked out a random number. I thought I'd go for that. This is PTO. This isn't the Ironman ranking. This is the Ironman rank. I don't even know. If, Ironman doesn't even do a ranking anymore, I don't think. But 
Oh, because no, because they don't, because they yeah. have the qualifications. And their quality. original ranking was a load of shit anyway. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> tell us what you really think. Yeah. So, uh, so this week, who, who current, this was current when I was doing this. It's currently sitting in fiftieth place. Cool. Was Max Newman? He is twenty-five years of age, one meter eighty-five centimeters. He's from, from Brisbane, Australia. I'm going to go see him. Cool. Yep. He's got a 94% uh, rating on the swim, 85 on the bike, and 85 on the run for an 87% overall. And he is so far this year, he won Ironman Shepparton in Australia, or Challenge Shepparton, sorry, and he got eighth in 70.3s year long. However, last year, um, very solid, he finished second in the Sunny Coast. Uh, 70.3, so that's in Malulaba, and then he won Ironman Cairns, which looks to me like it's his only um, Ironman that he's done, and one from one, going at 8.06, I think, on debut, uh, by swimming a 45, riding 4.33, and running a 2.50. It's done pretty that's well, isn't impressive. Yeah. Uh, Interestingly, John, his hero, yes. Australian t- uh, legendary Australian TV personality, Steve Irwin, is Max Hero growing up. Yeah. And he says if you had to pick a favourite holiday destination, it would be North West Island and Queensland. Oh. Yep. Okay. Coverage. Uh, the 2019, he had a bit of, went over to Europe a bit, did the, the Girard Mere Long Distance Triathlon, which is really cool. Finished, won that. Uh, he also won a race in China. So I think he's a name to look out for. I'm pretty sure he's down on the list to race in Cairns uh, next weekend as well to see if he can defend his title. So good on him. Young fella, uh, only 25. And Look last year, the, you know, Tim Van Verkel was there, Josh Amberger was there, Tim Reed. Mm. Like, it was a good field. Totally. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't you know, obviously with, it was basically all Australian athletes last year, um, but still the Australian rock stars turned up and he delivered. And he had a very close race with Kyle Smith at the 70.3 Taupo, or Taupo, uh, what year was that? In 2019, only 20 seconds behind. So a name to look out for, and I'm loving the... PTO website because all that information is there. So Max Newman from Australia, look out for him. On the female side, a Spanish athlete. She finished. Uh, she was the one who yeah. had the weapon run at the weekend, which will have helped her ranking. But to make the European team, bloody hard when you've got uh, the likes of Dan- Daniela Reef and on the men and the female side. I do worry for the Americans. I think they're going to get their pants pulled down and spanked really badly. So wait a second. Have they, on the on the website, have they got who's kind of their main? They've got the rankings that were before last weekend. So if you go up the top. You can go stats and rankings, and you can go Collins Cup, and that'll sort of show you who's team provisionally Europe. in the team. So right now, we'll, we'll talk about this person in a second. But right now, for the Europeans, you've got Daniela and Haag, Judith Charles Buck. No one's been there, Holly yeah. Lawrence, <laughs> yeah. and then you got Jan Fredino, Gustav, uh, Gustav Eden, Magnus Divlet, and then George Goodwin. So, okay, so the men's you got Jan. The men's aren't so strong. Uh, yeah, but they've got a few in the wings that if they do a Gomez, race. Gomez, Keenlay, <laughs> Andreas Juritz, yeah. yeah. So Brownlee. Okay, so. Europe are strong. Okay, then let's look at the internationals. So it includes us guys. Internationals is looking pretty good. Teresa Adams, she's strong. Uh, Paula Finlay, uh, Janine Metzler, and Sarah Crowley. Lionel Sanders, Braden Curry, Sam Appleton, and Tyler Butterfield. All pretty good athletes. And then we look at the Team USA. I suppose they're not looking too bad now. They've got um, Sam Long, Rudy Von Berg, Matt Hansen, Ben Knute as your top four. Uh, and then as your next sort of four, you've got Chris Leafman, Tim O'Donnell, Andrew Starkowitz, and Ben Hoffman. Female side, you've got Sky Monch, Jackie Herring, Heather Jackson, and Sophie Watts, who are currently the automatic picks. And Elisa Dola and Meredith Kessler, the next two. So, question I have for you. Um, what was the question I had for you? Don't know. 
Well, I'll go on to... Uh, well, I was just going to say, if you're a betting person, you only pick one team, aren't you? Oh, no. So, th- th- obviously, men versus females. I mean, sorry, men versus men, females, females. But it's, how does the points work as an overall? Yeah. Is it just eight races and it's the... You t- total it all up. Okay. Well, no, more than, it's, it's the six, six, six athletes, so it'll be... Okay, six. So, you basically, your team races. And yeah. ha- ha- so, in each race, there's three teams. Three, three people racing. Yes. Yeah. Okay. One so, American. So so the top three females and top three men from each. So it's not top four. It's the top six. Top four automatically qualify. Oh, and then you have two uh, two captain's picks. Okay. So there'll be there'll be six races. Twelve races. Six female, six male. Oh sorry, yeah. okay. Far yep, yep. out with thick. <laughs> <laughs> I think I can take ownership of that one. Um, okay, so twelve races, three people in each race, just the the, the most wins overall, basically. Yep. Or accumulation of points. I wasn't even listening to that part. Sorry, yes. <laughs> <Lost> <laughs> me. Uh, let's go back to Guritz Frads. Okay, Lorelle, she is thirty-nine years old. Uh, she's she is tiny, fifty-one kilograms and one meter sixty-four tall. She's a weapon runner. She's got an eighty-nine percent rate run rating, and that is courtesy at the weekend. She finished fifth at Ironman Tulsa with a two fifty-two average uh, swimmer. Average one hour of swim. Yeah, five oh three on the bike. So she is uh, Spanish. Highlights include a seventh place at the in 2018, seventh place at the ITU World Long Distance Champs. Um, meanwhile, the goal of winning Hawaii was again achieved when she got sixth in South Africa and fourth at Ironman Oceania. And then she finished last year, 20 or last season, 2019, got second at Ironman South Africa uh, and set a new Spanish best time of eight hours and forty thirty eight hours and forty forty seven. Thanks to another blistering run of 2.52. Uh, that day, she powered through the field on the run with only Lucy Charles Barkley denying her victory. So um, she is, you know, probably at the, the towards the tail end of her career, but she's certainly going strong. Fifth at the weekend, third at Western Australia in 2019. Yet to have an awesome Hawaii. She's got a 22nd and a 24th and a 33rd. Um, but keep a look out for her. She's been going since about 2012. In 2012, did Iron Man there and went 9:51. So she's made quite the improvement. Yeah, doing really well. Um, so look out for her name. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. Garutz Frads Loralde. And again, guys, if you if you haven't been to the stats.protriathletes.org uh, or just the PTO website, check it out, guys. It's it, they've done a great job. Makes a our job easier, mm-hmm. but b just really cool. And you can just you, you know you can. Learn about the athletes. You can go see the social media, um, you know, and also just got the little blurb about each person, so it kind of just help you kind of learn a bit about them as well. So keep up the good work, the people at the PTO. Okay, John, we've got an interview coming up here. We've got Cat Matthews who raced at the weekend, and she put in an awesome performance, as you're going to hear. And just one thing, guys, there was a couple of moments when the audio went a little bit funny. It kind of lasts for about 20, 30 seconds. Persevere through it. It's not that bad overall, but it does get better quickly after both times so here is Kat right now okay team uh, I watched a bit of Ironman Tulsa yesterday and I turned it on so it was um, mid-race so the, the females had started the run and the guys had started the run as well obviously and the first image I saw was of somebody in a black tri-suit running really fast and I was like I wonder who that is and I thought that looks like Kat Matthews and it was and I, the, my second thought was she is running really fast. I wonder how fast she's really going. Ran herself up into second place. And I thought, 
that looked fast and it was fast. It was the fifth fastest female marathon in the history of our sport, which is absolutely amazing. And then I went and sort of did a bit of Googling, as you might have heard earlier in the show, to see course accuracy. And it was legit course. So 42 hours and 49 minutes, 48 seconds for Cat Matthews uh, at Ironman Tulsa. Welcome along to the show, Cat. That was an awesome run. Thanks very much. Yeah, I surprised myself a little bit with it too. <laughs> really? Like, were you like, is that kind of on an A day? Was that what you'd expect, or was it better than what you'd expect? A better. So, I actually pride myself in um, having really good estimate of my performance for the. I've done two Ironmans before this one, and I was sort of spot on in terms of what I was targeting and what I ran uh, and bike, to be fair, and swam. And this run was like, yeah, it was a, it was three three or four minutes quicker than I was expecting to run, which is Cause, significant. Because in Florida you ran just sub three, just under what two fifty eight, and in Western Australia I think three eleven. So, ten, that's ten minutes in nearly ten minutes faster than Florida. Uh, yeah, so Florida was long. Oh, um, was it? And I was I was aiming for two fifty five. I mean, I was aiming for for sub three, but two fifty five was like a dream goal but it got very hot and I'd had a really demoralizing bike um so I think there was a few factors that came into place but really the change from that to Tulsa is that I've just been able to consistently put down some really good training over the last four or five months and I think it's the first time I've really consolidated some actual running you know structured running intervals because of I've had some fragility in the past in terms of just having to adapt my training load because of injury and niggles Mm. We'll go into the race a bit more um, shortly, but firstly, um, a lot of people, you know, you're pretty new on the scene, uh, and whilst you've had an amazing um, last sort of year and a half with a win in Florida, win at the Outlaw Half, and 70.3 Tallinn win, you know, undefeated in 2020, and, and that was when there was bugger all racing, and 2019 was kind of your first year as a pro, so maybe just give us a bit of background on where you're from and what you kind of did before triathlon. So I picked up triathlon in um, 2015 when I joined the army as a physiotherapist. Uh, and before that, as a kid, I did do a lot of cross country running. Um, hence a bit of running background there. It's not just all magic. Um, <laughs> played lots of field hockey to sort of national league level. Played regional basketball. Uh, I did some local swimming as well. So it was definitely a adventure slash endurance uh, background as a kid. My dad was a very good runner, um, and my mum as well. So there's 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 a lot of sport in my childhood. But then coming into university, what I wanted to do was sort of socialise and play hockey. So it wasn't until I joined the army and there was a swimming pool at work, loads of what bikes in the gym, and there I was in Surrey. So I had lots of places to sort of start cycling and I decided to give triathlon a go because the army supported you taking you know an afternoon off work to go and give it a go um so yeah started in 2015 and then just progressed through did GBH group in 2017 and then 2018 did my first middle distance 2019 raced in age group middle distance and qualified for my pro license and then turned to the professional racing scene then was it, was it was it just a natural affinity like did you pretty much start and you kind of knew I can make a career out of this or was it kind of like a stepping stone journey I've never wanted to be a professional athlete it's never been a goal um so the whole idea of making a career out of it is not something that motivates me specifically even now it's just about racing to the best 
sort of ability that I can. Um, so when I started, it was like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm all right at this and I've done no training. If I do four hours of training, how good can I be? Oh, OK, like I get a bit better. Um, and then, yeah, I think it's just the next step. I've always just looked one step ahead. So I was doing the GB age group stuff and I was like, OK, what's the next thing? Oh, OK, you have to do middle distance. I'm not really interested in middle distance. I'll do the standard distance British champs. And then I couldn't do that actually, because I went out to Canada to work for the army as a physio for four months. And there happened to be a 70.3 out there in Calgary. So I thought, well, why not give that a go? Cause it's just down the road. I and mean, that's when I sort of fell into the, the lure of middle distance and the idea that you were racing against professionals. And there was just this sort of unlimited pathway to, you know, racing at the very top level of the sport, which you can't do it in the standard distance, I think, and not many sports either. Mm. So um, I noticed, I think on your Facebook page before the race, there was a little army clip. So are you, are you still active in the army in terms of doing your work or are you sort of training full time? Yes, I'm, I'm serving full time in the army. Um, they've sidelined me away from my physio job role day to day to uh, be full time training for sports. So there's only 10 of us in the whole British army who have this sort of sideline where we're that is our primary job at the moment to look to the world championships or the Olympics or the Commonwealth Games. Um, so I'm in a really privileged position and trying to make the absolute most of it. Now, in many ways, that's awesome because I imagine there's a financial security. A, you know, there's a door open at the end of your career, so there's lots of kind of good stuff that comes with it. But is there pressure, and is there is it, does it in some ways make it harder for you? Um, I think it's a perspective thing. Um, it depends on you as a person whether that's pressure or whether that's support. Uh, for me, I feel that the community behind the army sport in the army community is massive like I get a lot from that and I actually think I draw a lot on that even during the race you know it's it's I'm not just representing myself I'm representing my professional team the BMC tri-team and the British army and I think yeah that's a real positive to me rather than a, a pressure or a, a negative yeah nice um and how did you sort of cope last year you know you, in terms of your racing it was some late season stuff and you absolutely dominated everything you, you touched um but how did you sort of deal with with COVID was it a case you were still training full-time last year even though there was no racing or did you sort of divert back and, and do a bit more um work work um so I it was at this very start I was I sort of naive I think as everybody was and it was just like oh I'll just crack on with what I'm doing this will blow over um, but suddenly obviously that became apparent that it wasn't going to um, and actually there was a there was a potential that I was going to be pulled into the sort of NHS and army relationship with the physiotherapy side for uh, we have for COVID so that was definitely a door that was open but uh, I wasn't um, pushed through it um, and it would be the army's decision whether we support and how we support. So that's not up to me. Um, so no, I, I fully focused on training full time. And I guess I saw it as an even bigger opportunity that I was being supported in this time to just do my job. And that was to train and to get better every day. And I just fully embraced that irrelevant in the situation with the racing. Okay, guys. 
Right, guys. So we've, we've just, you might have just heard a little bit of crackle there. That was the air conditioning. So Kat's now suffering and sweating for you guys. Extreme heat for us. So we appreciate that. Um, so, so, <laughs> so this year, yeah, um, I want I want to ask you about Challenge Grand uh, Canaria. Um, I probably pronounced that incorrectly, but I've just seen the pictures of it. It looks amazing. Now you finished in fourth place, but I just want to hear what that course is like because it looks incredible. But I may be wrong. Yeah, they changed the course this year. So I did it two years ago. Um, it was actually my race I did as an age grouper that I qualified for my pro license. So it was really cool to be able to go back, but it was completely different, like a completely different race. They changed uh, the start sort of section of the bike, the whole the swim bay and the run itself. So the biggest change was the run. Instead of being on the highway, which is normally a up and down, really big up and down, rolling, lapped out and back course, they had it on in one of the bays, which was onto the onto the gravel, up a corner, around a corner, over a bridge, I don't know, round a little island. It was a bit mental. So uh, that was uh, fun. But the actual race itself, yeah, massively recommend it. It was all well contained and just has that challenge family um, aura around it that um, makes you feel part of something rather than, you know, this piece of mass events. So, so you had Tulsa over the weekend. So why, why was that event kind of why did you pick that on your calendar obviously being American championship but was that something you're looking for for a while or kind of what was the reason behind this race um I having already qualified I didn't necessarily get a lot of inspiration from just doing another Ironman you know just just for the sake of doing one so I wanted to do the biggest one I could do to get this championship practice like I wanted to I want to be able to engage in swim groups I want to be able to engage in in the bike tactics and so Tulsa was the you know the primary choice and luckily it was the one that has gone ahead as well it's always helpful yeah. um and again it was a, it was a, it was a new course and it was kind of hard to tell from the outside what it was like I commented earlier in the show the swim looked a bit brown um but the bike looked quite quite nice in terms of you know going through quite a bit of wooded areas but looked very fast and then the run looked like well, clearly it was fast, which was maybe partly due to the temperature, but also looked quite straight lines. So maybe just sort of talk us through the, the course because, you know, you guys are the first ones that have ever done it. Yeah, I mean, that's quite cool, isn't it, to do a race that no one's done before. You're not quite sure what to expect. But um, yeah, the water was murky, but it's one of those uh, sort of reservoir dam lakes areas where it's dirty, but uh, murky, but clean. So yeah. it felt didn't feel dirty to swim in if that makes sense or to accidentally take a gulp of it um, which is obviously never is ideal uh, but yeah uh, slightly complicated logistics of the race they had a split transition and you had to get the shuttle bus from t2 in the morning to get to t1 you couldn't have athlete drop off due to the parking restrictions um, um, so it's a bit eerie we were sat on a bus there was a pro bus at 4am you know old school bus with no lights on everyone's in masks uh it was a bit, huh. bit freaky really but um yeah uh lake swim uh different exit as well to the to the entrance so slightly odd again you had to walk about i don't know most of a mile to the swim start and then as you swam you swam sort of back to transition um and the bike course was pretty cool actually everyone was complaining about the roads uh, being really low quality but coming from England, uh, there was only a couple of stretches of the road that were actually really um, potholy and they did a really good job of marking all of these. Um, so it, when you were actually riding it and racing it, it really wasn't too bad. I know there were a couple of crashes, especially in the pro field, but um, that happens on most races. So I think there was a lot, 
lot of the bike course that was actually very open and very fast, hence why we saw much quicker times than the predicted times for the bike. Um, and obviously you saw from social media as well that there was quite a lot of bike packs, especially in the men. So for, for the first half of the bike, it's there's some pretty draggy hills, but nothing that's absolutely massive. Um, I personally had a plan to sort of ignore the power, ignore the heart rate and just ride and race and get to the pack where I wanted to be or stay in the pack, um, which was quite an exciting way to race, which I haven't done before. And I think I had I was able to take that risk, I guess, because I had already qualified and this was a sort of a learning race as such. Um, so, yeah, and then the second half of the bike is just feels like it's just downhill back to town for 60k or something and then just before you get into town there's a cheeky little loop where you go up a hill they call del the deliverance on Strava um, <laughs> which was really, really doesn't live up to its name luckily okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh it probably did for some people but um yeah it was fine and then uh yeah and then the run so transition you just you basically run 3k downhill a little bit of an up and down um so i think i clocked just over 330s on that nice. um, but running downhill you know it's it's easy it didn't it didn't feel stressful at all um i think i managed to catch sarah crowley before the flat bit and then like you say it's just out and back twice which is about i think it was like 9k out and 9k back or so um so yeah and then you obviously have that uphill finish which wasn't very fun but i had heard that um Danielle had walked on it so as I came to it I wasn't I didn't have very high expectations for myself <laughs> so uh, you mentioned Daniela there you know we, I often ask females this question it's just kind of the same question you ask if you're up against Jan Fredino on the men's side you know what's your mindset when you're racing up against someone like that who's, who's so dominant are you kind of just focusing on what you're doing or does she come into your mind at all at, at any stage during the race I think it would have it would have been disrespectful for me to go into that race and think I could beat her, um, which maybe sounds silly to some people. But um, I'm very new here, you know. I'm the new kid, and and she's a five-time, four-time world Ironman champion. Um, so no, honestly, I came in wanting second, and it was just the experience and the and being able to, you know, have somebody out in front to chase. Which was which I was looking forward to. There was never a oh I'm going to try and run down Daniela Rive, um, but now I think what I've learned is that I need to in the next race that I need to be thinking that I can race her and not just see her as somebody who I could never race against or mm. be competitive with. Um, how did you, you you got a penalty on the bike, a, um, a drafting infringement, I believe? How did you deal with that? as you're going through the bike ride and then how did you actually deal with it coming off the bike? Yeah. Um, so firstly I got it just, he said, uh, Nick, the referee, and we had a little chat on the bike course <laughs> and he said, it was just, it was just a split second on that hill before the aid station, um, which I know exactly where it was. And it was a sharp uphill before an aid station. So obviously not only do you bunch up slightly, but you're everybody's, For the and so it, I I beat yourself up. I wasn't. It gives me only a few seconds and uh, angry thoughts to not blame the referee, but to sort of internalise that. And it, it's my you know it's my fault if that's what he's he's determined. Um, 
so yeah I think I was over that and as soon as I realized I could take it in T2 it was actually I, I turned that to a positive I was more worried about having to take a penalty halfway around the bike course but luckily I'd luckily I'd got the penalty far enough down the line that it, the next stop was T2 and I think there's definitely a that's as a positive um and to be honest when I then got to the penalty tent the guys in the penalty tent were really very friendly um I think I took more selfies uh, there than anywhere else <laughs> um so yes, to see Michael on knowing Crowley cycle pass as well, and I still had a minute and a half to serve. That was quite hard, but I did have this big confidence in my run that it wasn't out of sight, it wasn't out of touch. I think if it had been, if I had been five minutes back, or or that gap was now ten minutes, I think it would have been a very different mindset. But I still had the idea that I can still come third here, and third at a national, you know, an international um, major championships is really really good. Just to just go back to the Daniela thing. Like I know you're early in your career, so it's that kind of you you go in there to race for second in your mind. Um, you know, she only beat you five five minutes, and you had a five minute penalty. And and obviously, it changes the dynamic of the race. How much an advantage do you think when you're that person who, when you turn up, everyone else you have an aura around you that there's almost too much respect for you. That it's almost an advantage for you, if you know what I mean. I guess I honestly don't know. <laughs> I'm not. I've never. I wouldn't be able to, I think that's probably a question for Daniela. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I think there's a respect thing in terms of as it should be, you know, she can choose where she starts on the start line. Um, no one's going to sort of push her out the way and, and too right. Um, if she, everybody knows that she's got a great bike, so they, they might try and, you know, they might just let her go. So maybe that is an advantage, but I don't, I don't think so. I think it's all fair. What, what, what were your feelings like after the race when you had the five-minute penalty and you finished five minutes and one second behind Daniela? I honestly, I don't see that as a thing. I don't just, um, I, I couldn't just subtract five minutes. I think it would have been cool to be, uh, no, I say like cool to be maybe four minutes 59, but it it's a matter of fact, I was five minutes, one second after her. It's not like, oh, but without my penalty, I'd have been, yeah. da, da, da. because I just, like you say, it affects the dynamics of the race. And I've got no doubt that even though Daniela crossed the line, looking like she was spent, that if I was a minute behind her, she wouldn't have pushed on. I just, maybe I could have pushed on, who knows, but that's the race that unfolded. So there's yeah. no what ifs. Awesome. So what's your plan for the rest of the season now? You know, obviously you're going to probably skyrocket up the, the PTO rankings. Um, I think you took a big drop for some reason a few weeks ago. I'm not quite sure why that was, but this is probably going to skyrocket you, you back up there. Um, I'm not sure whether that'll have you as an automatic pick for the Collins Cup. It's bloody tough to, to make that European team, but what's your sort of plan <laughs> for the rest of the rest of the year? Yeah, I had been quite hopeful about the Collins Cup, actually. But I think in hindsight, I haven't showed 70.3 form yet. So I think that would be a decider for the captain's pick. And I'm not going to make the automatic qualification, I wouldn't have thought, um, based off a drop in my last year's averages due to racing a local race. So I think there's a little bit of um, 
debating about how these rankings are going, but I think what the PTO are trying to achieve is working really well. Um, what am I going to do? I think I'm, I'm not going to race another long distance before um, the World Championships, assuming it's in October. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to look at a couple of 70.3s, whether that's the Challenge Championships rather than the Collins Cup, because I can mm-hmm. think that weekend could be amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, or the 70.3 World Champs in September haven't decided fully on that one, but I think maybe also a European 70.3 in sort of August time. I'm, I basically, I, I put Tulsa in the calendar and just gave myself a, after that, have two weeks off and then decide what the next sort of stepping forward is. How appealing is the Collins Cup, you know, the, the championship event for the pro athletes? And like it's first year, so I imagine as time goes on, the kind of the legacy and the kind of the appeal of the race will go. But, you know, how much of a desire for you? Like if we think Kona, I imagine, is for all pro athletes still, the, the man, you know, the golden ticket. Where does Collins Cup sit with that now at this early stage for you? It's a good question. I think I, I think... Hawaii is still where every Ironman, uh, like long distance professional athlete is still looking. The sponsors are tied into that race being the pinnacle of our sport at the moment. And so it it throws us towards that race. Um, the Collins Cup and the PTO Cup, uh, other races like the, the Daytona races and Miami and uh, maybe Roth next year, they're all going to be massive on the calendar. But I think it's going to take something big to knock Kona away from that top spot um, irrelevant of the PTO prize money and ranking. So you, you would still rather prefer to qualify for Kona first than Collins Cup? 100%. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. It would just be interesting to see if that changes over time. Mm. You know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. I've got to I ask. Think, oh, sorry, you go ahead. You go. Uh, I just, the Collins Cup is a 100K race, right? Yeah. And all of us long distance athletes have fallen in love with a sport that's um, 140 miles long, not 100 and 100 kilometers. So I think there is an element of needing to find what's best for media and what's best for us as athletes. Yeah, good answer. Um, Got to ask, you, there's, there's so many female, amazing British long course athletes at the moment and so many at sort of the next level down as well. Um, who was it you were waving to during the run? I saw you wave at someone who was going the other direction. <laughs> well it was uh one of many probably but um we have such a great group at the moment and it's amazing so kim morrison uh and ruth astell and tara gusnova were all out on the course uh, i think four of us came in the top nine ten nice. um so that is pretty impressive with um ruth and tara getting two of the three kona slots uh sorry uh kim and tara ruth and i qualified at florida already um so yeah, it was probably Ruth. She was the most energetic on the course. <laughs> why, why, why is UK so strong? You know, because across the board in the sport, UK is just really great at triathlon. What, what, why, why do you? What's your thoughts on this? Uh, I don't know. I think we just have um, we've got a lot of role models in the sport, uh, and and that being people who've done the sport and retired. So for example, Chrissy Wellington. Like when I was at university, starting. Um, uh, working at the university when I was in the army, we had this massive background of Chrissy Wellington and her Ironman world records on the board. And, you know, it was, that was the gym inspiration. Um, but you've got the Brownlee brothers. You've got, you know, there's more, there's about 10 GB women who are fighting for three Olympic slots yeah. at that level as well. And, and I think 
you've got a lot of age groupers coming into the pro field for the middle distance and long distance, which is really interesting, whereas you don't see that as much from the other countries. Um, so take us on, we are just talking about on the course today, Kim, Ruth, I and Tara, we all raced as an age group, but we never did um, triathlon younger down the line. So I think we've got this role model of not just you have to be an elite sport from when you're five years old, but you can come into it later and you can still be really great at it. Um, nice. Some people say that it's the the GB countryside and that we're all sort of gung ho and hardy, but um, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> and, the, and the weather. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. If people want to follow you, um, what's the best way to do that? Uh, probably Instagram. Uh, I think mm-hmm. it's Catra. I think I just couldn't get Cat Matthews, so it's K T R underscore Matthews. Awesome. Now it was uh, it was brilliant to see you absolutely smoking it, and that run was uh, was otherworldly. So you're you're now etched in the history, being fifth fastest female ever over an iron distance run. Um, all the best for Kona. Looking forward to seeing how you yeah, go there, on. and uh, and either the championship or the Collins Cups. Have a fantastic rest of your year. Thanks so much for chatting. Awesome. Thanks for your time. Uh, your thoughts? Pretty awesome. As I said, when I first, it was the first image I saw on the screen. I thought she's running fast, and uh, she was. And who was, who was the athlete from? Um, impressive record. The guy who won Kona uh, only once. Uh, Ferris Sultan? No. Uh, that, Frederick Van Leer. Yeah, because he had the army thing as well, didn't he? He did. Remember we interviewed him in Kona, we went yep. to the hotel with his, his yep. unit and he was supported by his army and where is he from? Belgium. Yeah, from Belgium. He was an, he, So he was a soldier but then he got to be an athlete. Mm. Well, what an, it's a good advantage. Yeah, absolutely. You know, because A, you can you know, take so much pressure off. Mm. You know, so, yeah. so looking forward to seeing what she can do in Kona. She won in Florida. She won, we got second here behind the current world champion. Not the current world champion, the multiple time world champion and just heading in an upward trajectory. Good stuff there. Okay, I'll put links to her stuff on our website. Winger of the week. week. Okay, Jumbo, I'm going 17. You know why I'm going 17? Why? Reese Walsh. Did you watch the Warriors? I uh, did not. Oh, team. Reese Walsh, he's the next big thing. Next big thing. And he's played five games. And on Friday night, we played. Who do we play? Do we play? Um, Panthers. No, the Tigers. No, the Tigers. No, the, the, Panthers. <laughs> the Panthers were down to us. The Panthers, they are unbelievable. They're just such an amazing team. Um, and the Tigers are a team we probably should beat. Um, but it was a bit of a two-and-throw game. Uh, this young Reese Walsh, he, 18. Mm. Oh, my God. Don't put pressure on him, Bevan. You no, but he, 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 he's going to be a superstar. Like, and then he's going to leave your club. Well, hopefully he's, not. He's going to leave our club at the end of the season. No, no, because we, we, we've signed him for a few years. We've gone okay. for a few years. He's, he's a rock star. So number 17, I think he hit on his back last weekend. So number 17 is? David Bryant. He did 20 hours and 33 minutes of training or 15 activities. Nice balanced week. Did 6 hours and 10 minutes of swimming. That's quite a bit of swimming in one week. 9 hours 59 on the bike and 4 hours 24 of running. And he is from Floriat in Western Australia. Well, I've got to say, his photo looks doesn't look very training-wise. It looks like he's been at a wedding. Looks like a bit of a young fella. It doesn't have his age on yeah. here. Yeah. Um, he's got a bit of a private private um, account here, so I can't tell you what he's been doing in the last week. But I can tell you that he's, uh, last four weeks, averaging six rides per week. He is averaging 60 kilometres of running, and he's averaging five swims. Pl- plenty of swimming. Enjoying a bit of swimming. So good work, David Bryant. Oh, he's from Catalyst Dietitian. So obviously, he's, I think he's a dietitian. Mm. Could be wrong. Nice work. Yeah, it looks too young to be a dietitian. And there's a wedding. David Bryant, you are our <gasps> winner. winner.
Horror of the Week. We've got no questions and answers. Oh, mm. that's okay. It's, you're, you're right with that? I'm okay, okay with that. Okay, no questions and answers. So let's get into the end of the show. Um, let's say thank you to our patrons. Uh, Leonardo's the gifted artist Monterio. Um, Adam Adam Barsley, do you think he likes his nickname? Big Schnozzle, yeah. He yeah, liked it? Big Schnozzle, yeah, he likes okay. it. And then we've got Paul, the swindler, Tuck. Uh, if you want to be a patron, go to me. You can also get the show emailed to you at the bottom of the webs page. Uh, being a patron means you support the show and us getting the show out each week. And for those people who are patrons, you know who you are. You rock. Um, coaching, coachjohnson.com, my podcast, bevanjamesisles.com. I've actually started a new thing, John, called Keep Active with Bevan, which is a weekly right. video clip about five to seven minutes long, going deep into just one subject and giving you some homework around it. So if you want to go there, go to keepactivewithbevan.co.nz, totally free. Um, and other cool websites, Age Group of the Week, other feedback, IamTalkPodcast at gmail.com. I see you've just put your swim set up. I did. Uh, I slightly deviated from this, and I'll tell you why in a moment. So t- today's swim set, I uh, went swimming with Thomas. First time he's come along with me at 5 o'clock in the morning. Oh. Uh, 300 metre warm-up, then two 100 IMs, 100 metres drill, and then three times 300 with paddles, oh. going uh, hypoxic breathing. So that's breathing. Every 50, you change your breathing stroke, or how often you breathe. So 50 metres, three stroke, 50 metres, five stroke, 50 metres, seven, just steady stuff. I've got the big paddles out today, do a little bit of strength work. Oh. I like a bit of big paddle action. From oh, I like a bit of bit of pad, pad, paddle action. <laughs> Linda, get the big paddles out. <laughs> and then uh, 10 100s hard on the 1 minute 45, so getting a reasonable amount of rest. Starting to get back into the swimming, so it's time to do a little bit of harder stuff. A couple of hundred easy, and then 8.25s where I planned to do uh, 12.5 metres sprint and 12.5 easy, so that's half length just gunning it without taking a breath, try to get some arm speed going and then half length easy and then 100 metres warm down to give me 3k. Now I did deviate slightly from this because um, took Tom out to the pool. I said, Tom, there's only four lanes available. Get in lane six uh, because they've got water polo taking up most of the pool. Oh, okay. There's only four lanes available. I said, get, get in lane six. And he was a bit slow off the mark and I said, I've got to go to the toilet. Somebody else got in the lane so we missed out uh. on that lane. And I thought, I probably should still get in there. That's kind of, the fast lane. Well, they didn't have it designated this morning, but I'm pretty sure it was supposed to be the fast lane. There was nobody in the lane two, so I thought, we'll just get in lane two. Swimming away, swimming away, swimming away. And then uh, the lifeguard stops and says, I know this is a bit odd, but can you kind of swim on the side of the lane and stop splashing all the aqua aqua swimmers? Uh, the oh, aqua walkers? Class. So the aqua class was swimming, uh, they were doing their walking, yep. the aqua jogging laps in the lane next to us and I was clearly just splashing the shit <laughs> out of them and I said, I understand what you're saying but it is a swimming pool. I can't, we can't swim up one down, one side. Yeah. So I'm sorry, we'll, we'll do our best. And, uh, so did you splash harder? Oh, didn't no. We we were trying to be considerate. <laughs> got the big pedals out straight down. Yeah. We were trying to be considerate, and then the second incident, <clears throat> there was almost fisticuffs in the lane oh, next back to it us. Up. Because I think what had happened because we were in this lane and everyone's there's regulars there, yeah. and I think that one they of think them they was probably the normally in that lane. Yeah. And the lane next to us was these two guys had heated arguments two or three times about one of them was not following correct passing um, yeah. etiquette, and so I'm not sure if he was bumping. I think he was implying that the other guy should be giving way at the end and standing to the side so he can turn and go through. Okay. And he just sounded like he was consistently just getting in the guy's way, which I can understand is a bit annoying. Yeah. But they were, uh, it was almost coming to oh, blows. Really? <laughs> and, and I think it was all our fault. So we, we caused a lot of... Why was uh, it your fault? Well, we, they were probably normally, one would probably go in our lane and the other one would go in the other okay. lane. And so I think we um, 
we caused a bit of angst at the pool this morning. So you guys are the rebels. Tom, Tom's a rebel. Oh, blame him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> blame your kids. So that was this morning's <laughs> excitement. <laughs> um, well, okay, well, okay, what's your goss? I need to toughen up, Bevan. Oh, well, being a bit of a softy. What you've got the problem is with? <clears throat> no, no, it was running. Did another running race at the weekend. What, what was the distance? It was nine k's. It was That's tough. A distance. It's um, it's cross country and you're running on sand hills and stuff as yeah. well. Many there. Well, there's probably about a hundred on the start line, I'd say roughly in our in our event. And I paced myself. I know these races are quite long. I know it's only nine k's, but, but you can really tough. cock it up. Yeah. So I thought I'm just going to go out a bit gently here and run just and try to run an even pace. And I did start running through the field, and then probably about after th- it was six laps. After about three, there was about six th- laps for a nine k race. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> and you're just going through these sandals. It's really tough, and a few ups and downs. And about halfway through, there was about four of us running together. I thought this is kind of cool. We're going to have a bit of our own race. We're miles off the pace of the front yeah. guns. We'll have our own race. And we, I thought. I'm sure a couple of these guys are going to get shelled. And then it came down to two of us on the last lap. And I was just a bit soft. I was a bit disappointed in myself. I still finished and I was absolutely rooted at the end. But I thought I could have done quite a bit of a better job there. Mm. Just need to toughen up and have a bit more of a plan before a race rather than just thinking, oh, it's yeah. a hard training day. I was just, I go into these last couple of race thing. It's a tough training day, but I haven't got that desire to really go that extra little yeah, step that, deeper the wante the desire desi- mm. desi- to deep, go to that deep place yeah so a little bit disappointed in myself so I'm going to try to toughen up a bit that's what about it? it for me Bevan no have a goss um, what about the weekend did you do anything on the weekend what did we do at the weekend well, bloody kids stuff it's like swimming Saturday morning and then taking them all off running and then Sunday helped my daughter cook a massive big three course dinner for what was that for gosh, some badge at school so oh, so you have to do it at home? Yeah, and improve so I, it. I was supervising, so we had a bit of salsa, for, made salsa for starters. Well, okay, chicken tell enchiladas, us the Chicken enchiladas for Ooh, the main, they were nice. quite nice. And then, I do like a chicken enchilada. And then an apple crumble for dessert. Oh, that's my kind of meal. Wait a second, what was, what was the entree? Uh, it was a really nice salsa with corn chips. Oh, she's making, was it meant to be Mexican, obviously? Yeah. Well, I don't know if Mexican have apple crumble. True, <laughs> you true. But hey, I'm not gonna. I love. It's probably I make a really good apple crumble. Nice. Yeah. This was apples and boysenberries. Oh. To be honest, I keep it simple. Keep it simple. Yeah. Don't put oats in it. Oh. Don't what put. You, what, oat. Do you, what do you put on top? You put cinnamon. You put flour, butter, cinnamon, sugar. Simple as, mate. You don't never, put. Oh, why would you want oats in your bloody? Yeah, no. You've got to have a good thick layer. You can't just have flour. No, but it's not flour. It's flour, butter, sugar, and cinnamon. You heap it together. It gets nice and crunchy. And you have big, thick apples. Like big, big, like that much apple and that much. Oh, John. It's one of those, because I'm, I'm, I don't really go sick off eating. You know, yeah. you know, you know. Yeah. Apple crumble, I go sick. Mm. Like cream, apple crumble, and Christmas pud. Mm. Oh, love nice. it. If you, okay, what would be your perfect three meal? We've got plenty of time. Uh, not if my parents keep calling us. Oh, My first three-course meal, we'll, we'll go back, uh, reverse, go. reverse it. It's creme brulee for dessert. Oh, really? Oh, Can you make a creme brulee? No. Well, I've never really tried very hard. I maybe tried once or twice. We've, our friend Ludi, who's a builder, when we go camping, 
he does it and he, he's got the old mm. from, from when he's building stuff mm-hmm. and uh, he does a good job yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know the old plate for her I've got one of those uh, have, you got one, have you got one of those for, if, oh, purely for making creme brulee which you've never made once or twice oh okay uh, and then for the main you can't be a good piece of felt steak <clears throat> and then for an entree I would go uh, calamari oh really mm. okay so me a crispy chicken for an entree Oh, uh, yep, yep. I love a crispy chicken, yep, you know, like yep. when you go out for dinner and you get crispy chicken. Oh, I just love mm. chicken. A good steak is good. Yeah. But I love myself some chicken. Mm. And then dessert, oh, it would be apple crumble. Apple crumble. Without Keep oats. It simple. Without oats. Do like, I do like a banoffee pie. Mm. Love a banoffee pie, but always, you're always sick at the end of it. Mm. You know? Yeah, you'll be careful with that. Um, you never gossip? It's about, about it, Kevin. Sorry? Oh God, I'm trying to pan. What about this we weekend? Don't, we don't need to pan. We've got, we've got plenty of time in there. We've got to get on next week's show. Well, well, I, don't think, I don't think we're giving up on that. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll give my parents a call. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, oh, no, this weekend, uh, nah, don't think we've got anything on. Do you know what I'm doing? Oh, I'm going to a comedy. Chris Parker. Is he the, the gay guy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah it's yeah. how you identify him. Well, how else would you do it for him? <laughs> yeah, he's a Christ, good Christchurch fella. I think he went to Christ College as well. And, uh, yeah, no, it's funny. He's, he's our really age. Um, is he our age, is he? Mm. He looks younger. Mm. I'm sure he's our age. Although I got a good compliment yesterday. Mm. Coaching the runners. We've got this young guy, David, David, who's joined us recently, and he's doing really well. And hey, find it good, mate. Good, mate. And, you know, talking about, he's, oh, he's talking about kids. Because I was saying my daughter's 24. He goes, your daughter's 24. He goes, I thought you were the same age as me. Mm. How old are you, mate? 32. <laughs> I was pretty happy with that. Right. I was like, keep keep that going, mate. Um, oh, yeah. Well, my goss is I'm going to Australia. Yes. I'm um, international man of travel again. First class. No, I don't think I have it. No. No. But Coro Club. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go hard. Smash that. Car. And stupidly, I bought the works mm-hmm. on the plane as well. Don't know lucky, why I did that. Lucky. Yeah, because I thought, oh, well, I'll eat up a storm on the plane. And I was like, back it up with Coro Club. Mm. So I go to see my daughter. I'm looking forward to it. A, there's lots of reasons to look forward to. I haven't seen my daughter in a year, which is good. B, it's got pretty cold in Christchurch, isn't it? Winter has arrived. Yeah, winter has arrived. And then C, get a tan, do a bit of shopping. How much snow is on those mountains? Sorry, Bevan, carry on. There's a lot of snow on the mountains. Mm. Uh, go to the GC. To what GC. would you recommend I do in the GC? Go to the park run. We do the park run at the GC and there's bloody like 700 run. people at it. Can't you can't run. run. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. That's about it. So we, are, we will be here next week. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm away again the next week after that. Sounds good. It's a hard life for me, man, I tell you. Right, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm in. Train hard. Train smart. Kia car. car.